Well, turn, if you will, to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Now, if you've been in any of the services over the past few weeks, you'd know that we're going to be in 2 Peter because I've said, I think at least twice, that uh, to prepare for Vision Sunday, you need to read uh, the epistle of 2 Peter. Amen? And uh, so I hope you've done so. And, uh, j- and I, I don't want to get discouraged any more than I already sometimes am, but by raising the hands, has anybody read 2 Peter? All right. Hey, that's encouraging. All right. I'm glad I asked now. Amen. If nobody had raised their hands, I would have hoped somebody would have at least lied about it to make me feel better. Amen. Uh, just to make me feel... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not advocating lying in church, okay? All right. Uh, but we're in Second Peter chapter 1. And in praying, and this, this theme has actually been on my heart uh, for quite some time now, and uh, I'm excited to be able to present it. I did want to go ahead and, and share with you. Uh, we were able to raise $473 for Cannon and Nancy this morning. That's a blessing. Amen. And so the church will also add to that and we'll get them uh, a nice love offering to help them so they can go buy them some clothes. Amen. I'm sure Miss Nancy will appreciate maybe getting a new dress or two and she'll probably appreciate Cannon being, being able to you know change socks. Amen. So let's be, uh, but I appreciate that church family and your sacrifice. That is above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings and so I'm appreciative of you uh, to that. And the Lord will bless us. Amen. And I don't always mean financially, but I know that He'll bless us uh, in many different ways as long as we'll bless others. And so let's continue to pray for Canon and Nancy in that. So we're in 2 Peter chapter 1, a theme that I've uh, had on my heart for quite some time, and uh, it's, it's, it's finally here, get to present it, and uh, I don't have to keep it a secret anymore, amen? And when you've got a theme like this on your heart for about half the year, it's really hard not to bring it up in every service. At least it is for me. Amen. I, I'm not a big surprise person. I don't like surprises. I, I just I'm not that way. I, you know, Christmas and birthdays. I don't really, uh, you know. I tell Beth, you know, what do you want to, you know, what do you want? And I'm like, well, I don't really want you to go and get me anything because if I need something, I like being able just to go and buy it. Amen. Uh, if I know I've got now, if I don't have the money for it, and you know, some you know, that's different. Amen. Uh, but uh, I don't like that idea of surprises. But but, but I like surprising with the Word of God and the theme. This is not going to be anything new that we're going to look at this morning, uh, but uh, uh, I'm excited to present it. So our theme for this year, we're in 2 Peter chapter 1, is going to be based on verse Three. And here's our theme that you'll see as you come in. It'll be on the banners when we pull them out this afternoon. And uh, this will be the theme. Our theme is life and godliness, life and godliness. And Second Peter 1.3 says, in the middle of the verse, you can see the middle of the verse printed there, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So this morning, we're going to look at this all things. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. We'll read these two verses, and then we'll jump right in. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning grateful that You've given us another year. 
Lord, we're grateful that You've shown fit to give us more opportunities to serve You and to study and to preach and to sing Your praises. We're so grateful that You've given us many more opportunities just to love You and to learn about You. Given us opportunities to be a witness for You and to tell people what You have done for us. Heavenly Father, we pray now in this time as we preach Your Word and as we take these next few moments and study this passage that You've laid on our heart and as it sets the foundation and the groundwork for the year to come, Lord, I pray that You would knit our hearts together in unity. I pray that You would help each and every individual here understand the importance of this life and godliness that You have given us all things for. Lord, I pray that You would reveal to us from Your Word how we can live a life pleasing to You. Heavenly Father, we pray now that You would open our hearts and minds to receive what's being preached, what's being taught. Lord, I pray that You would remove all distractions. Help us to focus on the Word of God this morning. Bless the reading of it. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. As we are looking at Second Peter, and we're not going to unpack all of Second Peter today. Over the course of the year, we will look at First and Second Peter. We're going to look at the life of Peter, the author, the human author that God used to pen these two uh, general epistles. But we must understand, first of all, our audience when we look to a verse, when we look to a theme. So let's go back to verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, just based on the very first verse, we already know who the audience is. Amen? Now, if you look, let's just look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus. This is a Pauline epistle is what this is called. The books of the Bible that were written by Paul, those letters that were written by Paul are Pauline epistles. And this epistle, and what is an epistle? It's just a letter. That's what an epistle is. It's a letter. This letter by Paul was written to the church at Ephesus. So we know that if you look at Philippians and Galatians, those were written to churches at those specific locales. Now we come to 2 Peter. Back to verse 1. This book was written by Peter. It's a letter. And it is called a general epistle. A general epistle. And the reason it's called a general epistle, or a general letter, because again, that's what an epistle is, is because it's not written to a specific church. Notice, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So, based on this, we see those that have obtained like precious faith, the precious faith that's just like Paul's, or Peter's rather, who is Peter talking to? Saved people. All saved people. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, who is he talking to? The church. He's talking to the church. You say there's two different things? No, they're the same. But this is considered a general epistle. And I believe as we study out 2 Peter, we'll see that 2 Peter does not merely have something to do with the body of Christ, but for us as individuals, as Christian individuals. We mentioned it a few weeks ago. It might have been this past Wednesday. I don't remember. Stuff starts kind of flying by and all overlapping at this point. Uh, uh, but we have. I made the comment that one preacher said before, there are going to be more Baptist in Texas than there are in heaven. Amen? 
because we think that because we're Baptists, we're saved and nobody else is saved. But you see, salvation's not determined on your, by your denomination. Amen? The denomination, what does that determine? Well, that's based on your body of beliefs. Did you know there's going to be some people in heaven that go to a Catholic church? Did you know that? Mind blown. Amen? Why? Because faith in Christ is not determined on whether or not you go to a good, solid, independent Baptist church. Faith in Christ depends on just that. Faith in Christ. Now, your growth after salvation is another story. Amen? What we believe about the Word of God is another story. That's why I believe there are several, I believe that there are some good people that uh, uh, believe in Jesus Christ, that have confessed Christ, but have been swayed by false doctrine, have been led away. And so they go to another church that might not preach just like us, or maybe they believe that they can lose their salvation even though when they accepted Christ, they fully trusted in Him. Those things happen. Amen? And so when, the, when Peter is writing, he is writing to them, not in a certain locale, but to them, all of them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been here any amount of time, you know that I'm a Baptist through and through. Amen? So don't let the prior comment make you think that we're going to interfaith. Amen? That's not what's happening. That's not what this is talking about. But I'm just trying to make us aware that just because someone doesn't come to our church doesn't mean they're going to hell. Amen? Their eternal destination is determined on their faith in Christ and Christ alone, and that's it. Plus nothing, minus nothing. But I believe the Bible makes us Baptists after salvation. What do we do after salvation? Well, we are baptized first and foremost. Amen? Baptized. Not just, physic, not just spiritually at salvation, but we're baptized physically to show why. Because we're commanded to. It's the first step of obedience. So, I hope that I said that in a clear enough way to where after the service I'm not going to have people thinking that we're going to take Baptist off the sign because we're not. Amen? The Bible makes us Baptists. But I want us to understand that there are a lot of people that know Christ as their Savior that, don't grace, that would never grace the doors of a Baptist church for one reason or another. Now, when we get to heaven, we'll all be Baptists. That'll be different. Amen? All right. That'll be another story. All right. Back to the epistle. Verse 1. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now to our verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us... What are those two words? Read those out loud. All things. All things. Do you know what all things are? Everything. You know the Bible defines this for us, where these all things come from, what these all things are. This morning we're going to look at these all things and then we're going to look at life and godliness because that's our theme this year is life and godliness. And we're going to break that down and Lord willing get out in enough time to get downstairs, eat, clean up and be back up here by 1 o'clock. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things. I want us to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 14. Turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we have this promise of the Comforter that will be coming to us after Christ has left. Christ will send the Comforter. We know who the Comforter is. It's defined for us here in the passage. Look at verse 23. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, 
and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Now let's stop here for just a moment. Jesus is telling those that are his followers how it is. Look at verse 22. We'll get a little context. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, O Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? So a little bit of context here. We have been learning, or rather Jesus has been telling His followers that He is leaving the world. Verse 17, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot see, cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be. Now that's a time word, as Jim Alter would say, amen. A future time. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wasn't around when Jesus was. They weren't there at the same time. He wasn't actively working on the earth. Why? Because in order for the Holy Spirit to come, Jesus had to go. That's what Jesus said. So now notice verse 17, Ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, the Holy Spirit's with you, He shall be in you. Shall be. Future tense. When the Holy Spirit come? When does God indwell in us? At the Pentecost is when it started, Acts chapter 2. When does it happen for us? The moment of salvation. Amen? We receive that comforter as defined in verse 16. I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Remember, we learned about the Holy Spirit and we've talked about in Ephesians chapter 4. He is the earnest of our inheritance, that promised payment that will never be taken away from us till the day of redemption when we receive our bodies like Christ. Now, So context, Judas is asking, not Iscariot, as the Bible points out in verse 22, how is it that the world will not know because you've manifested yourself to us, how is it that the world doesn't see you here and now? And he goes on to answer. Verse 23, the verse we just read, Jesus answered and said to him, if a man love me, he will keep my, what's that word? Say it out loud. Words. Can I ask you a question this morning? A little side note. Do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord this morning? Do you know what the Bible says? The testament of our love for God is if we keep His words. If we keep His words. That's why Satan would love to attack the Word of God. Because if he can change the Word of God, then how do people show their love for God? They're not keeping the Word of God any longer. You see, the Word of God is very important in the life of the believer in our pursuit of life and godliness in Christ Jesus, as we'll see through this year, the Word of God is of the utmost importance. If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. And he will come unto him and make, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, these things, verse 25, have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, verse 26, but the Comforter, which is who? The Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall what? Teach you what? All things. Now wait a second. We just looked in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. According as his divine power, who? Well, if you look at verse 2 in 2 Peter 1, it tells us grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So who are we talking about? God, Jesus Christ according as His divine power hath given unto us 
all things. How do we know those all things? Well, John 14, 26, the comfort of which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Turn back to 2 Peter now. Now, John 14, 26 is very important because it answers that uh, critical question of how did the men know the thoughts of God? Because the Holy Spirit gave it to them. How could they, all four men that wrote four different Gospels from four different point of views, not contradict at any one point? Because of John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit came and taught them all things and brought to remembrance all things, what? Whatever Jesus told them. So that's how you can rely on the Word of God because the Word of God wasn't just written by man. Man was just the human author. It was the Holy Spirit that led man to pen the words. And so when we look at these gospel accounts, when we look at these epistles, when we look at the Johannian letters, then we can understand that it's not merely what a man said, but it's the Holy Spirit who said, put this down on paper. Write it down. So you can trust these words. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So we have seen, according in verse 3, it says, Divine power hath given unto us all things. So we know the source of the all things is the Holy Spirit. And remember from our previous messages, where is the Holy Spirit today? In the believer. In us, right? He's in the believer. At what point? Moment of salvation. All of it. There's no, there's no praying down more of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That, that's falsehoods. That's heresy. Nowhere in the Bible do we see that we're to pray down the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen. Amen? Not true. Amen? Fake news. All right. No, that's all right. Fake news. All right. I don't know. I, I, is it okay to say that now? I don't know if we're allowed to say that now. All right. All things. I want us to turn to Romans chapter 8. So we know the source of the all things is the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 28. And we know that... What are those two words? All things. All things what? Work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. Verse 29. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, then He also called. Now, what's happening in verse 29 and 30? Well, back in verse 28, He tells us, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Who are the called? We are. He's defining it for us in verse 29. Whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate. What did He foreknow? He foreknew that people would accept Christ as their Savior and there would be a body of Christ and so that body of Christ would be predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of His Son. See, this predestined to salvation is hogwash. Amen? The Bible says that Christ died for all. He took the sin of the whole world and whosoever will may come. That's what the Bible teaches us. Not, well, He died for some. That would limit the amount of grace that God bestowed upon mankind. 
We don't believe in that. We believe that Jesus died for all, and if man dies and goes to hell without Christ, it's because he accepted his own condemnation and decided that he would try to pay the price on his own instead of accepting the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So whom he did foreknow, that body of Christ, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also what? What's that word? Say it out loud. Called. Try it again. Say it out loud. Called. So all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called. Who are the called? Those that are predestinated. Who are predestinated? The saints of God. We're predestined. We're predestined to look and be like Christ. Then He also called. Then we learn to whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. Now we'll come back to that in just a moment. Verse 31. What shall we say? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us... What are those two words? All things. things. Are you seeing a pattern? The all things that we have been given... Now we're going to learn about these all things in just a moment and throughout the year. Amen? So I encourage you to be here. Well, i got this going on. Cancel it. Amen? Can I just share something with you as a pastor? There's no better place for you to be when those doors are open than right here. You want to know why? Because we have a job to do. We looked at that forsaking not, the assembling of yourselves together. Do you want to know what the forsaking is? Remember we talked about this? I believe it was last Sunday we talked about forsaking. It's not talking about skipping church because you got to work. It's talking about not exhorting, not edifying, not ministering to other people because you don't come here to get fed. That's one of the reasons. You come here to help other people and in helping other people, you get fed as well. Amen? Now we're going to get to that in just a moment also. He that spared not his own son, verse 32. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So in verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Who are the called? Those that are predestined. Who are predestined? Those that are saved. Those that are part of the body of Christ. You've accepted Christ as your Savior, you're predestined to be like Christ. Like it or not, you will be like Him one day. Those are the called. All things work together for good. What all things? Verse 32. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? So we know where the source of the all things is. It's from the Holy Spirit. We know that from John chapter 14. We know that these all things are for our benefit as Christians, as saved people. We learn that in Romans chapter 8. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're glad to be here, say amen. Amen. All right, three of you. That's good to know. All right, amen. I'm glad you're here too. All right. First Corinthians, those three. Not every, no, I'm just kidding. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 6. What are the all things? How be it, 1 Corinthians 2, 6, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a what? Mystery. And then a mystery is defined. Even the hidden wisdom, that's what a mystery is, something that's been concealed. A, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto what? Our glory. 
which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now what is the Apostle Paul telling the church at Corinth? He's telling them that Christ indwelling in the flesh and living a perfect life and giving his life willingly at Calvary, allowing sinful man to bury that perfect body in order to resurrect it on the third day to a glorified body. That was a mystery in the Old Testament. That was a mystery. Now hindsight's 2020. Amen. We can look back in Isaiah and we can see in Psalm and we can look at the prophetic references to the coming of the Messiah and we can see how clear it is. But that's because hindsight's twenty twenty. Why do you think Peter drew his sword whenever they came to arrest the Christ? Because he was thinking that we're getting ready to usurp the kingdom and we're going to fight because they weren't looking for a Savior. They were looking for a King. And they thought, even his followers, even Peter who said that thou art the Son of God, and got that right, was wrong on just about every other thing else until Christ died. Amen. Amen. He had a case of foot and mouth disease. Thought he was right one time, and then he wanted to go in every time. Had to make an answer because he wanted to get it right. Drew a sword, cut off the soldier's ear because he thought they were going to rise up. But that's not what happened. Why? 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7 We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Why is it that the coming of the Messiah to die for sinful man, why why in the world would God leave that a mystery? Verse 8, none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have crucified Him. You say, well, wait a second, wouldn't that have been better? No. Why would that not have been better? Because we would not have had an opportunity to accept the free sacrifice that God has given us. You see, He had to die. It was the only option for sinful man. He had to die. Verse 9, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Now let's stop here. Verse 9. Probably one of the most misquoted references. Why? Because people read that and they say it's talking about heaven. That's not the context. What are we talking about? The wisdom of God. That's literally what we just read. I have not seen nor ear heard. Well, I was talking about all the wonderful things of heaven. No man knows what heaven's going to look like. That's not true. The Bible tells us about heaven. So what is it talking about? And if that were the case, verse 10 negates that argument because verse 10 says, God hath revealed them unto us. Those things that the Old Testament... That verse is referencing Isaiah 64 and verse 4, if you're wondering. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 2, 9. That's a cross-reference there. As it is written, written where? Isaiah 64, 4. And when you read Isaiah... Let's turn there real quick. We've got a few minutes. Isaiah 64. We're going to get to life and godless in just a moment. But I don't want to pass this up. And if we have to break this down into two or three messages, we will. Isaiah 64 and verse 4. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for them that what? Waiteth for him. Now look at verse 5. Thou meetest him, meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness, those that remember thee in thy ways. Behold, thou art wroth, 
for we have sinned. Now what's happening here? Now remember Romans chapter 11? You remember where we learn about the inclusion of the Gentile nations in the plan of God? And how that our salvation is nothing more than a stumbling block to the Jew. It's an offense to them. It's to drive them to jealousy, Romans chapter 11 says. Who are those that rejoice and work righteousness? The saints of God. But we have sinned, Isaiah said. Who's we? Verse 6. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Verse 7, There is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of why? Our iniquities. Who's Isaiah uh, referencing? Israel. They're like a leaf. God's hid His face from them because of their iniquities. Because over and over and over again, God provided and they turned their back on Him. God helped lead the way of escape. And they rejected Him. They mocked Him. They spit in His face by worshiping idols. Now the biblical principle is for the whole world. The specific context is for Israel. The biblical principle is for all men. We've all, we are all as an unclean thing. All our unrighteousnesses are as filthy rags. We do fade as the leaf and all and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. But the specific context is Israel. So what is the context that Paul is referencing in 1 Corinthians based on Isaiah 64? God has hid Himself from His people. He has hid Himself from Israel because of their sin. Now why is that important in Corinthians? Because 1 Corinthians is the carnal church. The Corinthian church was the carnal church. They were consumed with worldliness. And he was telling them and pointing out to them and helping them to remember what happened to Israel and their carnality and their iniquity. God hid Himself from them. But in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he reminds the Corinthians, God hath revealed Himself to us. He's not hiding Himself from us anymore. I have not seen nor heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth what? All things. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 10. I want you to see this. God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So what are the all things? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us, the Spirit searcheth all things. What's He searching? The deep things of God. Turn back to 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3, According as His divine power hath given unto us what? All things. All things, the deep things of God that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness. After the, morning, after the afternoon meal, we'll come back and we'll look at life and godliness. And we're going to look at these all things 
And we're going to take this year and we're going to strive to search and to have the Spirit reveal to us. How does, now, how does the Spirit reveal things to us? The Word of God. There's no extra scriptural revelation. Well, God told me, and I, I know what I experienced. I don't care what you experienced. Amen? Can I just, just be honest with you? Because if it contradicts this book, what you experienced is not of God. Amen. Amen. The Bible's very clear on that. Well, God told me how. Well, I was walking in the woods one day and I tripped and fell and I saw on the ground a rock that looked like Asia and so that God wants me to go to Asia. That's not how God works. Now we laugh, but that happens. How does God work on someone's heart? The closer you get to Him, the more you seek after His will for your life, the more you study His Word and you seek out the all things that He's already given unto us so we can know the deep things of God... He'll start to burden your heart. And He'll start to drive you. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to have a biblical point of reference. This Bible is our compass. It guides us. It's our light. It's our lamp. And it's to shine the way. And it's to light the path. And so oftentimes we go, well, I'll see you Wednesday. That's what we do. That's exactly what we do. When we come back this evening, or this afternoon rather, we're going to come to this life and godliness because that's our theme. Life and godliness. We want to see in Second Peter what he's talking about. Now we started out with the all things because it's important to understand what this all things pertains to. All things that pertain to life and godliness. What are the all things according to 1 Corinthians 2.10? The deep things of God. These deep things of God pertain to life and godliness. Every head bowed, every eye closed.